0: in this in this episode is and it was sort of touching on it when we were just chatting before we started here is the problem with other people
1: yeah right
0: and i think it's something to consider because i was when the more i was thinking about this i was looking at things like tong len and some of the six perfections these are all geared towards your relationship with other people
2: yeah big time
0: yeah and that seems like that's a a place you have to start i when I think of spirituality or Buddhism, I'm thinking of, like, I gotta work on myself, and then there's these people over here I'm like well yeah 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 uh, we're all we're all gonna achieve Buddhahood and Bodhicitta for you blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> but i got I gotta do my meditation you know
2: yeah in the meantime, leave me alone, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: so it seems like there's there's a lot to that is is, is it are we trying to purify our projections? Is that part of a big part well, of? What I,
2: you're yeah, doing? What I think starting out that's I mean, that's you could look at it. That's one way to look at it, for sure, purifying our projections. Uh, and another way is purify ourselves by recognizing you know, why why we're seeing it the way that we are. And then, Using it as an opportunity to get to know ourselves, like um get to know like there's no better way to get to know our resistance than somebody else right exactly there's no better way, there's no better way uh, and to get to know where we're closing and where we're opening and what and what we're expecting from others and what we're expecting from ourselves is mm. so lit up by what people say to us, what they do around us, what they don't do around us, that we wish they would do around us. <laughs> like, uh, it's just, uh, and, and so I remember, uh, <laughs> one, of my, uh, one of my favorite Buddhist teachers is uh, Zongzhar Kense Rinpoche. He put out this teaching on uh, spiritual partnership. I don't know if you happen to see that, but it's a beautiful teaching. And he talks about uh, the nature of suffering and how uh, he doesn't. Because, he yeah, you have all these monks that live in the monastery and, you know, they, they they're, they're trying to understand suffering. Mm-hmm. He says, but uh, I think that any monk that wants to understand suffering should come to the West and like <laughs> go to a store and try to buy milk. Yeah, yeah. Like the, he goes, there's too many, so there's 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 too much milk to choose from. I go try, it. or he says even even better, get into a relationship. Yeah, and he and he was so funny because he talked about his uh, he was in this relationship and how he quickly realized she was way less attached than he was, and he was he was this big shot monk, who knows how much he's playing on that or not, but yeah, yeah, but he, it's it's kind of shows the power he's 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 pointing to the power of being around people Mm -hmm. to uh electrify our practice
0: yeah and you don't need you don't need even a group of people or need to go to a mall or something like that you can uh, there's one story i remember about a monk coming out of retreat like 12 years or something and I was like, oh, here he is, or whatever. And then someone like bumped him or spilled some tea on him. He goes, Hey, watch out. And then he's like, Oh, <laughs> and he like he like okay. he like went back into his cave gotta, for 12 more years. Gotta go back in. <laughs> didn't work out so much. So it's I think it's a big thing yeah. that um and I've never been someone to buy into this idea that what you see in other people is something that's in you per se if i see somebody sort of yelling and screaming something racial at somebody else i'm like yeah i don't i don't really have that
2: yeah no i i I agree with you there i don't think it means like 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 using that example of Mm -hmm. uh like like i don't think i'm a racist but um if it can show us things like if we are If we go into a judgmental phase, if we look at that person and we judge them for being a racist, and then we have this assumption about them, oh yeah, like there's, oh, I know what that person's like. And then we can can just blindly, in a sense, fall into this assumed world where, okay, there's that person, they're out there, and uh, they had this kind of upbringing, and they're unhappy, and they're, you know, probably have this kind of a job, and the things that are coming out of their mouth is showing me everything about them. They're a racist. And then so our our relationship with our reaction to it shows us more about ourselves, right? right? Because that's how we find out. Because when you're, like, if you or I, Um, still have seeds of racism, if there's still a potential there Mm -hmm. and it's lingering, but it hasn't quite been totally cleaned out, we might uh, have, we're not so comfortable around it. So it's harder for us to have compassion for it. And it's harder for us to open to them and say, oh, you know, come over here, you person exhibiting racism. While I, while I embrace you and my compassion, where, mm-hmm. it's hard because there's a little sticky point inside of us. So, it's, and maybe there's a part of us that has judged others or ourselves, like some yeah. kind of self
0: judgment. I think that's the key word. Like you're yeah. looking at someone who's judging someone very yeah. harshly, yeah. and you in turn are judging that person. Mm-hmm. So you're not bringing your your full sort of bodhicitta compassion. To, to the situation yeah yeah and then there's the word intolerant you know people say "Oh, that you know someone who's racist or bigoted or something is is intolerant and you would be intolerant also if you were not to sort of tolerate that type of behavior from someone
1: i think yeah. that,
0: i don't think that word is appropriate when you're talking about that i think you can get more specific with you can say that's racism it's a form of intolerance it's just, it's it's it, in bigotry and so forth you can be intolerant of that you could say hey i do not i do Mm -hmm. not tolerate this type of Mm -hmm. activity absolutely in my realm in my space it doesn't mean that you're a racist or that you're as bad as they are
2: no yeah yeah no and i think that's one of the big things that they teach and you know in and around all the six perfections too it's like don't uh you know judge you know in a way judge the act but don't judge the actor right you know like have compassion because this person, especially if they are who they appear to be and then they are hurting other people, then they're in pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so we're, you know, asked to open our hearts to them. But definitely, like you say, you put your foot down, you say, well, this is not okay. Right. This is not okay. I don't want it near me and I don't want to see you doing it to others. And uh, you do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You do what you have to do. And that may be a physical action where you stop them from doing something. Right, right but you're doing it with uh without uh condemning them it's 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 well it's like you said it, that the other people are our are the ground for our practice because if the goal is to be fully wide open wide awake you know buddha mm-hmm. and then if to be in that state then there isn't one single sentient being that's exempt from your love. Right. So if you're, if you're not quite there, then, then we work with it. And we say, okay, here's a person where, I, wow, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I'm closing to them. Okay, I need to work on that. That, that my, the closure, is stopping me from being fully awake and is preventing me from helping more people. So right, right. you look at it like that. So, cause your mission as a bodhisattva, if you're, if you've taken that role on is to, is to figure that out, <laughs> is to figure out some way to navigate <clears throat> in this world without closing because it's, it's bloody difficult.
0: Yeah. Closing or what you've done in that situation, then as you've dropped the, the, the interconnection that yeah. we all have with each other. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, that'd be a good place yeah. perhaps for equanimity, just like you yeah. we were saying, you know, maybe well, see, know that that person came from a certain background and so forth. I mean, it's a big issue in our day, you know, you can't very open much a, so. a newspaper anymore without people just losing their minds and, and yelling yeah. at people and punching people. It's like, oh, what's going on here?
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like road rage everywhere mm-hmm. on every stage, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm um, thinking it's a phase of humanity, you know? Yeah. We need to see, uh, yeah, and just, we are in this incredible world right now. Everything's so interconnected with the internet and so forth. So easy. It's so easy to just sort of, and I I found myself like that. On Facebook, I was sort of, I got off it earlier this year as sort of my New Year's resolution. It's been great being off it. Mm -hmm. Um, And Twitter, but Twitter was the one who was so toxic. It's just Mm -hmm. people just use it as a way to vent and say the meanest things they could possibly say. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird.
2: I think it's like, uh, as as the human, as the consciousness of humanity awakens, things like Facebook and Twitter will also, it, it'll be used more for good than for evil. You could say. Yes. Yes. You know, I think so. I, I think that will hopefully be a display of of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about that interconnectedness, uh, and just that that moment of connecting. I s- had this experience the other day. I was downtown in the East Side, and. I was getting ready to go do a, a quote on a job. And uh, in the alley, there was a couple of people who, you know, appeared to be homeless. And one, one fellow was, uh, he was in a, a nice suit. And he just looked like, you know, possibly maybe he'd been partying all night. And he was just still kind of wandering around and bouncing off the dumpsters. I wasn't really sure. But, the, but then along came this other fellow who was really the classic He's, you know, he's wearing a blanket, mm-hmm. one shoe, and just looks like he probably hasn't had a shower for a while. Mm-hmm. And he's really rough and he's just walking really slowly and he's he's not really showing his face. And uh, he's got a stick and he's poking at things and he, he's going in the dumpster and he's, he's pulling out stuff and he's poking cans to see if there's anything in these cans that he can mm-hmm. eat. And, he, and if he's fine, he goes down and he's... And I'm looking at this. I'm going, okay. Am I just gonna pretend that's not happening?
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: because I can sit here, I can sit there, and go, okay, I. I see you, and you know, I I love you. I love that being, but I don't want to bring you home for dinner. Right. You know what? what am I going to do? And I, I'm not. That's so. I decide to give him. Uh, I had a, a to go cup that was full of some nice hot tea. I said, Well, you know, I'm just going to give him my to go cup mm-hmm. full of hot tea. And I walk over, and it was a, the difference between sitting in my van and thinking about him and sort of applying, you know, whatever kind of compassion approach, you know, and worldview approach. That's one thing. But then actually walking over to him and s- saying, Hey, would you like a hot cup of tea? And suddenly he's one of mine and I'm one of his. Yeah. doesn't There's take a, much. Yeah. It doesn't take much. It was beautiful. And this interaction is our eyes met. And then he was completely different to me after that moment, you know, mm-hmm. and he was, oh, he took the cup and I said, just keep the cup. It's yours. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he held it and it was warm in his hands. And, uh, and I kept walking. And that that moment stays with me. Whereas if I hadn't done that, that moment probably would have not stayed with me. I would have maybe left that behind or forgotten that moment. Mm -hmm. But it's you know. I knew that I couldn't save him if he needed saving, and that's also assumption I'm making. But at least I interacted. Yeah, you know, you know, in Buddhism, and they have a well, I, I. this practice called the six times book and you, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and you can, you can do things like go after a certain, a certain karma, say, like, say, if you're having a, experiencing the karma of feeling broke all the time, mm-hmm. and then you've, uh, you've attended enough classes to finally start to buy the idea. Okay. Maybe I'm broke because I haven't given enough. Right. Maybe, maybe it's not because my boss sucks maybe it's not because maybe it's because of what the buddha said (laughs) you start you're starting to buy it right and uh and then you can start to apply like okay i'm going to be start being generous to uh, with people consciously generous consciously generous and, and what and what i've noticed is when you it's happened a few times to me as soon as you apply that, okay, I'm doing this in order not only to uh, rid of myself of this karma that's unpleasant, but to elevate myself mm-hmm. into a whole another realm of being and I'm doing it so I can be of more help to more people. So you have this, this motivation. What I've noticed is sometimes this giving, this, like you say, well, now it's a loony, but uh, you can have these Really interstellar experiences, where this person who appeared to you as being homeless uh, you look you, you lay this dollar down and they look up at you and then you see the universe mm-hmm. and their eyes just grab yours and you get swallowed into this this realm, this sphere, and you realize oh that I just gave a dollar to a Buddha, yeah, and
0: oh, yeah yeah yeah,
2: like that and and I think that's an example of almost incrementally like molecule by molecule you're changing your world mm-hmm. you know the see the, the, the normal world you view yourself in possibly is like part by part becoming like this buddha paradise because you're seeing them
0: yeah one dollar at a time one dollar
2: at <laughs> a time
0: you know I, this is interesting you, you might find this fun to do too around christmas time i would just buy some cheap cards and stick a five dollar bill in it yeah you know and and see these people and just go hey merry christmas and you know five dollars that's a lot of money you know yeah. and that somebody gave them a card yeah was was just out of the world for them i remember one guy uh, stopped me wanted to chat he was chatting chatting he told me some. i wish i could remember the joke i have it written down somewhere <laughs> but that was like he's looked at the he opened up the card says, oh thanks so much because i got a great joke for you
2: <laughs> oh uh, you don't remember the joke
0: i have it written down somewhere somewhere it, it was a little yeah. body, if i recall but, oh okay um,
2: yeah yeah, there's yeah. always
0: room for improvement. You know, when I see people on the street, my first re- reaction, unfortunately, is is one of anger. You know, at the the people and the the forces behind that that have made society this way. The fentanyl distributors and the opioid
2: yeah, like all all, all that brought them there.
0: Yeah, because yeah. it's not it's not their fault. There's a friend of mine just up the road here. His his stepdaughter died, and she was a Overdosed, And she was just, in, uh, you know, was had a good life going for herself yeah. and just was at a party once and that that was it. So took. Yeah, just 25, 26, something like that. and No, it's horrible. So, yeah, there's some anger there. But I think then there's always room for improvement too. You know, um, you notice that just being out and about in your day. Um, you know, I remember hanging out with my uh, aunt and uncle. And I always just sort of knew them as just fun, loving, happy people. But I started staying at their house when I would go visit and got to sort of go around on their daily chores with them. And the amount, of concern that they had for somebody else just blew uh-huh. my mind and yeah. just in a, in the grocery store line i always thought i was pretty good at that it's like oh, how's how's it going you know but they're like how's it going how's your day going they would just lean in they really wanted to know are you almost done with your day well hang in there and you know <laughs> something it was so beautiful it's like i go oh wow, i have a lot more work to do you know here i am the quote-unquote bodhisattva the buddhist and and here are these sort of lapsed catholics you yeah know, putting me to shame
2: right just oozing oozing compassion and kindness yeah yeah
0: yeah i wasn't surprised that they were like that to be honest but i was Mm. surprised it's like okay and you got to kind of put yourself out there a little bit to hand someone a christmas card or yeah um or just to really dig in and at first i don't know some some people don't want it you know there's (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) please i'm just on robot (laughs) mode leave me alone
2: yeah yeah
0: cash your, your credit you know
2: yeah one one guy I I I was uh what I one of those I was driving that's right and uh, you know one of those people that they, they wait at the intersections and stuff like that and I, I I'm trying to grab something and I got nothing and I had a bag of chips I said, you want some chips and he goes can't eat them got no teeth. <laughs> but he was he has this big smile on his face i'm like uh like this guy couldn't give it right I couldn't give him the chips he didn't want he didn't want the chips but he didn't have a problem with it he's just like yeah oh, it's my life i got no teeth sorry
0: yeah it really does it makes your day there was i used to drive from vancouver to san francisco a lot you know and i'd stop halfway in eugene oregon and always on the, the on-ramp to the freeway there was this one guy just sort of bearded guy just hanging out there anytime, night or day. And uh, so I always chatted with him, always gave him a, a dollar or so, something like that. And um, one time I was like, and I just always sort of saw him. I said, he's always everywhere. I'm like, we're like, go in town and <laughs> he's on that ramp. He's on that ramp. And I, one time I said, Oh, how's it going? And he goes, Oh, not, not too bad. Not too good. My, my, my twin brother died oh. and he had a brother, You know who was out on the streets as well. So it's like, oh, "Oh, that makes sense (laughs) now. I can see that's why I was thought I was seeing you like all over the place. Oh, yeah.
2: Wow. So you just
0: kind of got to know them. I know you have a student uh, who's—I don't know if she still does this—but who is sort of she goes out on the streets and sort of checks up on people, right?
2: Yeah, that's uh, actually—it's that's her career. Does she still do that? Yeah, she does it and and I think she's just recently changed her job where she's doing similar work but in a different way but mm-hmm. uh and less hours which she's really happy about but uh yeah, yeah, so she's right right in the heart of it, right downtown yeah. down east side and she's right in with all the, the fentanyl uh victims and uh, she sees it all. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've had many conversations with her about the stuff that she sees. You know, like
1: yeah. yeah.
0: It's interesting how, you know, so the problem with other people, you know, can be uh, can be very, um, you yeah, know, that interconnectedness that we have. It's a way to kick it back in, you know.
2: Yeah. And I think, like you said, the problem with other people and, you know, a lot of us, that problem will be, you know, our fa- like you said, family or our partners or. Or people at work and stuff it won't won't so much be people on the street or right it'll be the people that were around a lot that we see as our <laughs> i don't know equals or, or you know, the people that we associate with and then so easy to uh, blame them for
0: i could never understand um, that the, yeah because they say proximity or something like that yeah and... But Lama Yeshe was reading something of his yesterday uh, in his Vajrasattva book. He he used tar as an example. He goes, when you're far away from tar, it's not a problem. But if you (laughs) put your finger on it and you touch it, it's going to be sticky. And, you know, so there's something about that. And then, I don't know, like there's people sort of, they they feel, I don't know, in a family situation, they just feel like it's you're supposed to be that way, or that you have permission to act that way, where if you did that at your job, you'd be out yeah. the door. Yeah, you know, yeah, you just seem to some people check their ethics, or they're like, this is going to be
1: <laughs> this yeah.
0: relationship going to be my uh, subconscious
2: proving ground, <laughs> or something,
0: I'm gonna bring it all and see what happens, you know?
2: Yeah, it's amazing to me what we, uh, like, I know, I've been in relationships where, like, one of my favorite examples is uh, maybe not favorites, not a good word for it, but, you know, you enter into a relationship and it's all exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all, you know, she or he is the bomb and they're, they're the greatest. And then, then some years go by and you're screaming at each other in a car. Right. And, and why, like, how did it get that far and why is that okay? And why doesn't somebody just pull over and get out? Yeah. You know, I, I've thought about that over and over again. And uh, what is each person afraid of losing just by saying, you know what? I, I don't bl- like being in this situation. Let's like reconvene later or mm-hmm. something or uh, just not take it as normal. Right.
0: Yeah. Let's let's have a cooling down period.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you said, like treating our significant others or our sisters or brothers or parents uh, with, well, like you said, you wouldn't treat a friend or a work, work companion like that. We just unload on them mm-hmm. uh, and I think blame them for our feelings. It's so easy to do. Uh, yeah maybe just familiarity
0: breeds contempt that was the phrase i was trying to think of i always thought you see these documentaries of these uh these male predators and you know celebrities in the entertainment business Mm. and so forth and they bring out the women and they tell their stories and i just wonder what would happen if someone were to take all my ex-girlfriends and you know bring them out that way (laughs) what
2: (laughs) what would it be greg
0: (laughs) are you ready for that a monster nearby, or what, what are those phrases? <laughs> monster in plain sight. <laughs>
2: monster in plain sight. There he is.
0: I don't know. I kind of, uh, I don't like to fight. You know, I've never no. really did. You know.
2: No, not me but, either.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the thing that's things that we don't understand until we really start to dig in is that because we don't understand the way that our, you know, our emotions and our thoughts are playing out in our mind and how they're triggering us and having, we don't really uh, understand that it's, it's actually coming from somewhere mm-hmm. that's within us. And so we feel these unpleasant sensations and we just need to point a finger yeah. and that person gets it. You know, that person gets it. And it's like, yeah. And you start treating them differently, you know, little, you know, grumpy, towards them. And they, they they just haven't done anything. They just came home from work and. You were grumpy. You you know, and.
0: (laughs) That's uh, the Lojong. I remember one thing very distinctly in that the Lojong mind training. I think this quote is exact. Take all the blame. Take all the blame. Yeah. And so in, in those situations you know, and so what, what is the balance in your mind then between doing that and sort of being a doormat?
2: Well, that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's a good question that gets asked a lot. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, taking all the blame and doing this lojong and, and lin and taking on things, right. Taking on the suffering definitely uh, does not mean being a doormat. And it's like, it's, uh, the only way that makes any sense is if you understand the idea of karma and emptiness. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because if someone is mistreating someone else, if you're being mistreated by somebody, then Mm -hmm. in Buddhism, it's like, okay, I understand where this is coming from. Okay, I get it. I, I get that um, how I've treated others in the past is producing this, this moment. I right. get that. And so I'll take the blame. I'll eat the poison. Like they say, the, the peacock, I'll eat the poison. And what I, what I won't do is I'll feel all these feelings, but what I won't do is retaliate. Right. But what I also won't do is to prove, prevent them from accruing more negative karma themselves, I'll, I will stop it from happening.
0: And that might be that you stop a relationship. It might example. be the kindest
2: thing that you can do is leave. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. Is, you know if, if, Yeah, it may be that you stop the relationship.
0: And those, those yeah. are perhaps the hardest things where- I think so. If you were to ask a hundred people, yeah. is this, was I right? Or was yeah. they go, no, that person was definitely wrong. You're in the right, it still doesn't matter. No, yeah,
2: no, and, and so it's, if you start uh, doing these kinds of teachings, that's the real beauty of having a sangha around you, because mm. you can start talking about them from a bodhisattva's perspective and say, because if you, in a way, it's dangerous to just tell somebody, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that on. Right. They don't, you know, you could tell that to somebody who's in your sangha and they've studied karma and emptiness and they understand, they they get that, Mm -hmm. get that in the subtext is, doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah. They just, they know that it means I'm eating my karma and they know that, but somebody else is like, what are you crazy? You know, you should be, you should be, uh, you know, you got to tell that person off. Yeah. yeah, You got to tell exactly, you got to tell them off and put it on Facebook.
0: I my my favorite thing is to say I'm you know I'm I'm terribly honest. It's like no you're not. You're just someone who expresses their opinions, right? Um, loudly, <laughs> right. But I think when when we're doing this, then we're we're sort of pulling ourselves out of that interconnectedness, de-entangling ourselves from sort of this whole holographic way that we all exist, and saying, well I'm not you but me you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah you have some work to do but clearly i'm okay i guess that's sort of (laughs) discriminating wisdom too right it's not it's not what you would think oh placing a judgment on someone but it's in doing the the thing that is beneficial for the other person yeah That, that can be sort of a way of considering you know taking all the blame
2: yeah i think yeah yeah for sure and uh, it's not always so easy to, uh, you know, decide. I One <laughs> one of the things I was heard from one of my teachers one time, which I really loved, was if you're ever trying to decide what to do, they say, well, just do what's the most amount of good for the most amount of people. Hmm. And uh, that's not an easy question to answer a, a lot of times. Sure. You know? And then the one person
0: that I think the Dalai Lama said something similar to that. If you have a room of, of 500 people and one person doesn't like something about it well it's kind of too bad <laughs> you know i think he was making it yeah. like that you're that one person in that room
1: mm-hmm. but yeah what is the greatest benefit for everyone hmm. yeah i guess it's um i always can see it as sort of
0: projections you know these are if you want to talk in pure psychological terms mm-hmm. And then when you drag emptiness into it, um, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's really uh, intellectually easy, in in a sense, it's intellectually easy to get that idea, mm-hmm. but it's h- hard to actually live it, because it's very, very slippery. Very, very slippery. And that's and that's why they mm-hmm. say, you know you you've, you know you do your practice, you do your shamatha work, you do this, you do all this uh uh contemplation on how things are empty until you finally have an actual experience of seeing emptiness mm-hmm. directly, and before that it's it's an intellectual game you're playing with yourself because you because and that that is can only really go so far mm-hmm. You know, and the, so you're – in a way, you're, it's, it's an act of faith in a way. If you don't – if you haven't really seen how the mind is uh, conjuring up these images that you're – that we're actually pasting on these objects we see in front of us, if you don't really – if you haven't seen that directly, then really it is sort of faith. You're You're basing it on some logic that you studied in class, you know, right. based it on – and going on, you know, okay, I guess the, the Buddha knew what he was talking about because he discovered, you know, he talked about suffering. I guess he knew what he was talking about. I get, you know, and then you're, it's, it, it is, there's a lot of faith there that can hopefully, a lot of faith is required that will hopefully get you to the place where you see it. Right. And you know it. And it's, and it's
0: the mind is sort of the last yeah. bastion of that. Like you can, you know, it, it, considering the mind as you know one of the six uh, realms of experience when you see something you could say oh yeah, i could see where someone else like a dog could see a chair as you know not as a chair something to to chew on yeah or you can say oh i can see where someone might not like this movie right but then the mental things <laughs> we're yeah. so attached those are those are the things that are dug in like a pit bull yeah you know or a tick
2: yeah yeah they're they're deeply embedded for sure
0: yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What is the um? There's a mantra for emptiness, right? Om shabba shabba shuddha sarva dharma hum.
2: Is that right? Om svabhava shuddha sarva dharma svabhava shuddha hum. Yeah. Everything is empty, and uh, is you know we start out. Start out by considering the emptiness of an object. We do, and, and that's like way. It's interesting because it's it's way far removed and kind of on a very gross level. Because mm-hmm. you can get it, you can go, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. I I can get that that. You know, you know I can get that a stop sign is just syllables, right. and it doesn't really, you know, somebody else looks at that, they don't, they won't necessarily stop their car or stop or stop doing anything. It's mm-hmm. you know, I for some reason that's in, you know, and you know, if I didn't have concept you know stop sign what would i be looking at Mm -hmm. it's we can get that you know i i can teach that and one of the people love hearing oh yeah you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder yeah you know like uh because everyone can so relate to to falling in love with a beautiful face or being repelled by a face that they think is not so beautiful Mm -hmm. and then you okay yeah well where is that beauty coming from um and then People can get that. People can understand, okay, if that was a beautiful person, then if they were giving off beauty, then everyone would have to see beauty. And if they were giving off ugly, everyone would have to see ugly. And so people can get that and can. uh, many people can get that and have the joy of living in that uncomfortable in-between where you suddenly go, oh, wait a minute. This, the quality that I, that appears to be coming from this object. I'm putting I, it on it. I'm putting yeah. it on it. And it was just proven to me in about four seconds.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like,
2: it's easy to get, but it only lasts for a minute. And then in the next second, they're like, oh, yeah, that person's irritating.
0: Well, we identify with our thoughts so yeah. much, right? That we yeah. actually think that that's who we are.
2: Yeah. And so... Opinions yeah and so it has to be studied and like over and over and over because it's it's ingrained so deeply and then so i guess what was my point was that yeah we start out with these objects and then like you were saying closer and closer and closer to home we see that even my own thought Mm -hmm. is not what i thought it was you know and then until finally you like radiate out into this vast space when you understand that there's really, there is no constriction other than the constriction that I'm viewing as a constriction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a f- a long journey between understanding the emptiness of a, a simple object and and sort of getting that for a second and then forgetting about it. And then to go from there actually waking up to this other reality that's years of practice could go by yeah
0: well i think the key word there you just said is object right like
2: yeah to object, your yeah. mind
0: your thoughts are the object to your eyes a piece of pizza would be an object to identify with your thoughts is as, as silly as saying when you see pizza saying i am pizza yeah
2: right yeah it, it is as silly as that and yet we're, we're we all do it i i think it's uh yeah like seeing uh well they know uh, they th- and then we spin around and around that's what keeps us in samsara but is that whole m- making that mistake keeps us there and uh you know like a dog chasing its own tail it's, it's funny that we laugh and laugh at dogs that do that because you know <laughs> that's what we're doing as long as long as we believe that we are our thoughts we're really just chasing our tails around um, oh. so
0: once you stop that then once you kind of, if with a calm mind, right, it's just shamatha or as close as you can get to it. Yeah. And then from that platform, then using Vipassana to explore your thoughts and your relationship to feelings and emotions and, and just the nature of the mind, you can sort of then reach, I didn't sort of, I didn't know that the word narod, cessation, was sort of, it's it's sort of the third of the um, the noble truths, right? There's so much emphasis on the other ones. Mm-hmm. But that cessation is actually can happen. You don't have to be like, you know, one step away from being a Buddha. It can be in the moment um, as you're experiencing something. If you have a calm mind mm-hmm. and you have a really good understanding of emptiness, right? Oh, yeah. You You can actually kind of drop into that state of, oh, you're seeing things... In a much different light your your normal simsark thoughts have ceased at least for a moment or something
2: oh yeah definitely i mean uh, a person can have experiences like that uh i, th- I think years before they become totally awake for sure yeah. oh yeah yeah i think it
0: goes back to that idea we we're talking a couple episodes ago about uh, you know there's always something just whatever term it is refuge you, there's always another yeah, uh, you know, like a pond, a ripple in a pond, you know, like you have refuge in the Buddha, Dharma and Sangha. That's sort of a, yeah, it's sort of a basic, uh, I think it's called outer refuge, right? Those are the outer things. Go, People say, oh, what are you, oh, I'm a Buddhist. Yeah, here's, here's my books. And this, this is the group I go to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you have the outer refuge, but mm-hmm. the inner refuge of, of realizing that you have a potential for Buddha nature. Yeah different realm there and then the, the secret uh i think all the secret i guess is uh this idea that um you know you have well it's basically stage of completion ideas right
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah so it's there's always something it's not just refuge hey i'm a buddhist i'm taking refuge in the teachings it's like no you're taking refuge in the fact that you are you have a buddha nature that's just waiting to be um you know experienced
2: discovered by you
0: yeah discovered. Oh yeah, I like that word. Mm-hmm. I did a thing, I think it was, I don't know if it was with you or someone else where we just sat there and we we touched the ground. We're in meditation and just touched the ground like the Buddha did when he was first enlightenment and imagine your moment of enlightenment. It was like, whoa it's sort of this very powerful thing. It's yeah. like, well if I really believe in this stuff, you know, and everything that's saying and I'm working towards it, I wouldn't be doing it otherwise unless I'm just kind of playing around um you know that is the the inner refuge that you've taken and that can i think turn you around a little bit you know to think that walk instead of just sort of walking around always thinking of things that you have to seek perfections that you have to work on or ways that you have to view reality. here am i seeing emptiness am i seeing emptiness <laughs> you know to go mm-hmm. oh, you know i have this thing that one day one lifetime um i will be a buddha
2: mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting, uh, uh, interesting how that can be just so sweet and powerful, just to simply put the mind somewhere different, like you said, you know, and, and try to relate to something so magnificent. Mm. You know, um, I, I love the whole idea of like, I think one of the final things to go, they say, is doubt, mm. you know, and so if for a moment you sat there and what, what if in that moment you lost all doubt Hmm. that you were a Buddha, what would happen, you know, and, and how could you do that? How could you sit, get so quiet that you could observe everything that's creating your world, Mm -hmm. just arising and then continuously observing it continuously, uh, in an even flow without being attached to anything actually literally watch your karma appear. Hmm. And then, and you know, the only way that you could actually really do that is if you weren't karma because karma can't see itself. So then uh, what would it take? You know, how much virtue would it take for one to be able to sit there and watch that happen and then clear and then suddenly there is no doubt. Oh, I am I I've arrived. I'm awake. I've and I've woken up.
0: And doubt know. is the thing that keeps you from that. Yeah. It, you know? I don't think it's doubt is again, it's like Narode. It's sort of it's one of the five major afflictions. Yeah. Anger yeah. and attachment and so forth. And doubt. You, yeah. you don't we don't think of it so much. Like, no, I I, I don't yeah. doubt that I I believe in these yeah. things. No, it's it's much deeper than that.
2: Yeah. And it's like you said, uh, just a bit earlier about the refuge, like the, the levels of doubt, mm. you know, and uh, you, you, know, if you go along in your life and you don't even you haven't heard about yoga or Dharma or Buddha or anything like that, it's just not in a, not in a possible realm of possibility for you. You just, you know, maybe you we're just working in, in the, the main concern as a mortgage, mm. you know, and, uh, And then oh you stumble into a class, learn some stuff, and then you start, oh you maybe it's possible I could I could actually be a happy person, you know, it's like that. Just just that's enough. And then oh, maybe I could be a Buddha, maybe you know, but then these levels of doubt that fall away. It's interesting that that the cessation of doubt. Mm -hmm. It's like the cessation of doubt just goes and goes in, in finer, finer levels, and then when you have that ultimate experience of seeing emptiness directly, they say you lose doubt in the path and you lose doubt, you you know that things are empty, but you still doubt you're a Buddha. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting how I, this is one of my favorite things about Buddhism is that uh, it's, it's about losing things, not about gaining things. Mm. I love that. So you don't have to become anything. You just have to lose some stuff that you're carrying that we don't even know we're carrying. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, it's exciting.
0: Yeah, lose lose some attitudes, lose some projections, lose some yeah beliefs about things. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, doubt for me is um, I'm actually the the story I'm writing right now. That's the theme. You know, if I had mm. to place a word out, people say, "What's your story about?" It's about doubt. And this person's trying to decide if somebody's being sort of upfront
2: with them or not. Great you theme. Know? I mean, so yeah. we, we can all relate to that. Yeah. What a what a plague.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's our Western society just seems to be, uh, <clears throat> bombards us, right? Like you need to buy, buy things. So you, you doubt your happiness. You doubt your looks, you doubt your station in life. Should I be mm-hmm. buying Plots of land in the metaverse,
2: <laughs> in the metaverse, yeah, and, and and so and so, why is it that in those moments of doubt, that we can have this one incrementally tiny moment, moment where we lose doubt in an ability? No, we lose doubt in the ability. No, we lose doubt in an object's ability to give us happiness. Mm. Like we're suddenly, we're sure. And we're gonna oh yeah sure I'll buy that object yeah and then for a moment like we're free of doubt yes this is what's gonna do it and how much does it cost I don't care I'll sign anywhere you know I you know I don't know it's it's sad that you know you know how cigarette packages have a, like a label warning mm-hmm. you know this it's too bad that everything just, just as just as a rule you know as on earth there was like someone in command and said, okay every object should have a little label there like the cigarettes <laughs> this object cannot provide you with lasting happiness
0: except for guitars and recording well, studio for, equipment yeah. that's right those yeah.
2: that are exempt <laughs> yeah that's funny. yeah okay well i
0: think we uh I think we covered just about everything in Buddhism in life today, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> you have a little uh, prayer or something you could uh talk oh, about? Sure. On? Yeah. Sure. Wonderful.
1: So since we've been talking about uh assumptions and the world that we live in. Let's dedicate our time together to the release, being free of that assumed
2: reality. So just in your mind's eyes, see the world that you're living in. See the body that you have, the mind that you have, the house you're in or the uh, campsite you're in, wherever you are. And
1: notice that it could be
2: anything and that your relationship with it with your surroundings is what is creating uh your experience of it. And so if your relationship with it became you know the, the relationship that a, a free being or an awakened being has with your surroundings, the surroundings would be the same, but suddenly you'd be on a awakened plane of existence and things would appear that way. So let's
1: dedicate, so imagine your body full of light, white light emanating from your heart
2: and that this understanding of how the nature of how reality is being created by your mind. Let's dedicate that awareness and let it blaze out of our bodies, touch sentient beings in all directions, and with this heartfelt wish, wish that every sentient being could awaken to this
1: truth. And each
2: individual universe that each individual finds themselves in is suddenly lit up by
1: this awareness and they understand and see. So
2: imagine all these beings having freedom from this assumed imprisoning realities that they, we can find ourselves so stuck in. So imagine it just all crumbling away, crumbling away as wisdom does its work. Wisdom awareness. And rejoice in everyone else's freedom, giving away your own practice so that everyone else can be free. And then let that
1: light of awareness withdraw back into your body. May all beings be free, may it be so. It's always nice after you do that too. Just
2: sit for a moment, be as non-elaborate as you can, and just feel the result of a,
1: a thought like that, and enjoy. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Greg. Yeah, thanks. That was great.